This is Amy Kreider for Continuous Dream Theater. We've been having the ongoing audiobook of Kells, the Gospel of Columba. For today's episode, we're interviewing Baird Butcher, the actor who's been playing Kayla and narrating part three, which we just finished. So, Baird, how are you? Wonderful. Wonderful. I've been doing so much with my voice lately, and um, it's it's been so great to just exercise just the high and low ends of my voice about all aspects aside from from voice acting too i'm doing great and i know you recently starred in the crucible didn't you yes i was in the crucible and that was that was great at least the way i played it it was exhausting there's probably other ways to do it but we had a short rehearsal process so i didn't have too much time to to dilly dally wow were you a child actor or when did you get into acting um, I fancied myself one for sure. I started, I got into acting when I was seven. There's a really cool program that goes around the Midwest called Prairie Fire Theater. And they'd go in and when the, within the span of a week, they'd put on a show, something that was written in-house, like a very, they had a version of Cinderella that was set in the 50s. So it was a sock hop Cinderella with lip syncing. That was my first one I did. They had a role, you could tell they like, when they wrote, wrote it, like give this to the kid who just can't get enough attention. Give this to the kid who likes to be goofy. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this thing rewards me for being goofy. That was it. That was I was hooked. And then where did you go to college? I went to college in Con- at Concordia University, St. Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a L- Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod University, and they had a great theater, mm-hmm. theater program. Do you have a favorite stage role that you've played? I almost want to say the thing that the show I just closed was The Crucible. Uh, you know, and it's, people might say that's overdone. You know, everybody does it, but I never it was my. I really tried to discover it anew. I had not read it in many years. I wasn't. I, I kind of purposely allow myself to become unfamiliar with some of these shows, so that when if I get a chance to do them, I can discover them anew. And this was one of those instances where I did that, and I really liked playing John Proctor in the, in in a Crucible. That is my favorite right now. Ask me in a couple of months, it might, you know, after the dust is settled. I don't know, but I feel like I got, I've gotten so, out of, so much out of my way and I got so much more, at least closer to what I wanted to accomplish and what I wanted to bring to the role. So it seems like other people appreciated it too. But, you know, there's Minnesota nice. People are so nice around here. So it's hard to, hard to tell, you know, what, 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 as, as dust, as the dust settles, what, what is the actual opinion of my performance? But I, it is my favorite role. It is my it was my favorite favorite role so far, to to, to bring that energy and discover that anew and 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 build that character. Listeners to this podcast have heard you before because you've done numerous other episodes. And during the pandemic, I was writing two handers for you and your wife, Erin Caswell, yes. who has been on the podcast with you. The mini series, The Gift of Prophecy, and other comedy short comedy sketches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've cast you and her in things where you've played mother and son, torturer and witch, doctor and patient. So you've done this kind of variety of characters with your wife. Have you had much opportunity to act with her at other times? Yes. Yes, absolutely. For a period there, you know, it was like uh, it was hard to not to cast us together. Like we were joined, joined at the hip. Yeah, we've done Shakespeare in the Park together. We met doing a show together. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so we've, we've done uh, Shakespeare in the Park. She has directed me. I've directed her on some little small small pieces. 
she's a better director than me. So we worked in various capacities. Uh, we just did a musical together, which is a, you know, a full stage musical, which is not something I believe we've done before. So that was a different, unique experience for us. Oh, no, I didn't know you both directed, so that's interesting. Getting back to your voice acting, what is some of the other voice acting that you've been doing along with the time that you've been in Cal's? Oh, uh, I have been involved with a 10-part documentary called Missing Pieces, which wow. is about uh, John DeLorean. Uh, the approach is very unique. It's try it's uh, based on some aspects of John DeLorean's story. The guy, the man who you who worked for GM, Chevy Chevy Division. Um, he created the Pontiac brand, or he, he spearheaded the Pontiac brand and brought you know and made that popular. And uh, he was an engineer, and then he wanted to build his own dream car his car the car of his dreams is the futuristic car which was the delorean which is featured in back to the future he was very famously kind of kind of went down in flames and, and scandal and there's a lot of assumptions about him and there's a lot of aspects to it that are that people don't talk about and pieces of information and this is a very meticulous coverage of that uh, of his situation when he was work had his own delorean company in northern ireland I got to use my Irish accent because they, we also have, there's other characters that, that I would play besides John DeLorean, but it's from first person, John DeLorean narrating his own story. And so it's been fun to just get into that mindset and really do a work of mimicry. Uh, but he's a Midwestern man. So, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. He grew up in the Midwest. There's, there's a similar tonality there, um, but it's, it's, it's good, great to just do a more subtle voice acting like that of a man who was, Ultimately, yes, he was a dreamer, but he was also very, very calculating, very rational. And he was an engineer and he was a man of logic. And it's it's so it's a very subtle. I, I like to think anyway, a very subtle voice voice acting performance that I give in these in, in these things and very meticulously laying out based on actual legal documents what actually happened um, because they're and and giving a new angle on the story of John DeLorean as a man, besides what, what people may have heard or what people have, have uh, besides the story people have gathered about him. So that's Missing Pieces has been a wonderful experience. And that's something I've done alongside this and am still engaged in. How was the challenge of doing so many different voices in Kells as we were recording this? Oh, it was intense. I, I think as, yeah, I'm glad we had that collaboration as we were working to, to say, because obviously the French language did not exist as such at this time. So I discussed with you how to create that sense of of Caleb moving through the world. I to, first of all we were in Frisia, so I decided Frisia. I, I what I was going for, whether it came comes through or not, is kind of a hybrid of sort of that Yorkshire sound with sort of a, a German sound, because um, I think a lot of linguists will say that that Northern English accent is kind of an an the ancestral sound that a lot that before received pronunciation, a lot of English speakers used, and that did descend from, as I understand it, a hybrid of the Viking influence and the Anglo-Saxon influence. And, you know, Frisia is very close to that. Uh, Frisians, I think, were also part of what they call the Anglo-Saxon colonization or, you know, of, of England. So that's kind of what I was going for with, with that. That was a fun challenge, but also bringing in sort of Scots, as we know, um, what was the young lady's name? Lutgard, or oh, she was Lutgard. a Frisian. Lutgard was you, yes. Lutgard spoke perfect Scots, 
So I had to kind of explore that too. Um, And, uh, but also create that sort of rhythmic thing, which I, and we, people associate with like a Norwegian accent or a Swedish accent, but it's, you know, at a certain point, you know, and especially in their, you know, like Beowulf or old poetry, there was, there was sort of a, sort of a rhythm to it. And, and, um, you know, there's more tonality than maybe associate it because there was, there was an urban life, but you know, the more the people often said that the people, the less, the, the more country, the, the, the more, well, the more urban you are, the more, the quicker you speak and the more monotone you are, the mm-hmm. more rural you are, you're more tonal and you're slower. So it was kind of find that balance of making the people sound urban, like they live in a city, but also making them sound like this is quite, quite a long time ago. Language did not, language was not as it was today. But as we, as I spoke with you, um, when we move into the court of Karl Rex, I was trying to create the impression of him being French. So I was trying to create that French sound, but also still trying to mix that sort of ancientness into it. So it does not sound urbane and it doesn't sound received. Uh, it doesn't sound standardized, I guess. So many countries have standardized their language. Italian, what we know as Italian is really, you know, just all descended from one, one area of North Italy. And then you know, everybody else had to standardize over to it, Sicily, everybody. And it's, so it's, I guess that's the part, try to make it sound less standardized, a little wilder. And that was a fun challenge. Also, you know, pronunciation of names does help with that and helps, helps me get back into that mindset when we name a place that we, you know, we're reminded quite how long ago this was, where Rome was, as I understand it was, you know, it's been abandoned a couple of times. Uh, Rome was Rome was returning to being a city, if I understand it correctly there. In terms of discovering something new, we can talk for a few minutes about the novel, Kells. Yes. Were you familiar with the book of Kells when we started this? Yes, yes. It's funny. The first time I heard of it, I think, there used to be like the Columbia Publishing House things they'd send to your house. And I remember because I had gotten somehow on some kind of mailing list for all these things that you could buy that were like related to history. There were, And there were these big pictorial books about different parts of history in different areas, you know, what life was like in ancient Egypt, what life was like in Celtic Ireland, et cetera, et cetera. And that was my first encounter with the book of Kells. I think it just like, you know, it, there's, there's certain things that have such elemental names like that. Of course, it's named after the the, ta- the area of Kells or the town of Kells. Actually, one of the complications of this book, something <laughs> I have to work out in terms of the title, this novel is about the book of Kells, but the book of Kells was not actually created at Kells. It was brought there later. It might have been okay. finished there, but it was okay. created on the island of Iona, which is why you keep hearing about Iona in this right, book. Right, right. So later for safekeeping after there's uh, danger at Iona, they moved the monastery to, to Kells. So that makes this book a little, this novel a little complicated because I want to call it Kells so people know it's about the book of Kells, Mm -hmm. but doesn't, does not take place at Kells at all. So it's a bit uh, convoluted. What surprised you in this novel as you went through it and was reading it? Uh, Was there something that um, surprised you about the character or the story? Oh my goodness. Um, I expected him to grow, but I, I didn't, to me, stylistically, the, the way he, he sort of lost track of himself and the way he conveyed, the way he conveyed that, like the, the adrift 
chapter. That surprised me is the, is he it, the the fact that he was you know the word melancholy wasn't invented yet but he was a he was a boy he was a man a young man of great melancholies and great feeling that sort of surprised me and and yet it didn't because that is the journey of a young man is to question everything he knows everything he thinks is his duty you know either come back to it or abandon it and really i mean he had he, there was less choice of course um in that time period he the how um far adrift he became and how, and if I may say, Amy, just is how much it felt authentic to the experience of a young man and how much of my experience as being as in my adolescence and in my college, college and high school years, I was able to bring into it. I was, I was, I was surprised by that, Amy. So, so I, I would say that, that, that was surprising to me, how much of myself I found in this character as I read him. Wow, thank you. That's really interesting. I appreciate hearing that. And I want to ask you about your current life. You're in Minnesota, right? That's correct, yes. And are you on your family's farm? I am, yes, yes. Presently, I'm in my parents' house. They are taking a trip. They're enjoying the fruits of their labors, and they're going. They're visiting Singapore. They're taking a vacation to Singapore right now. They're on the plane across the Pacific Ocean. So I'm here watching their Cocker Spaniels. Wow. <laughs> And everything right now, aside from theater, is the farm. Is it a dairy farm? Yes, that's correct. Yep, it's a, it's a dairy farm with uh, lots of land, you know, growing crops. And you know, sell off the excess or you grind it up and keep it for yourself and feed the cattle. We so. had a funny experience with your first recording because my sound engineer, Sam, said, well, there's some kind of clicking noise I, I don't know what this is he's gonna have to record this again and i asked you about it and you said oh it was probably my pet duck yes. that was in the room with me when i was recording and i told that to sam and he didn't realize you were living on a farm in minnesota so he thought <laughs> you had a duck in an apartment in chicago and so that was very confusing so yeah. what is your pet duck's name my wee duckling oh uh, well, he's not so wee anymore his name is mel pell Pell-Mell is his full name. And it's called him Mel. Yep. I'm just named after the way he, run. he, he runs. He was imprinted on humans. So I thought I was, I was his mother and his father. And he would follow me around the yard when I took him out of his little box. So It's just too bad we didn't really have a part for a duck in yes. the book. Because we do have animal sounds. We have cows mooing. We have the elephant making its noises. And uh, it was too bad we didn't have a, a good featured role for a duck. So what's coming up next for you? I know you're working on this DeLorean documentary. Do you have any other things coming up? I'm going to work on some songwriting. Honestly, I'm going to try and record something. I'm a dilettante with all this stuff. I have minor, I minored in music performance, Amy, and I just, and so long, often I'm along for the ride for the time being, at least for the next couple of days or so, I'm trying to put myself into my own monastic seclusion in a way and try and rather rather than you know rehearsing a sh rehearsing a play try and develop that aspect of 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 myself a musical aspect of myself try and compose something <laughs> I, I i i i did bring a little bit of my of composition into in into kells uh you, I, you were kind enough to let me add a melody to what to a, one of the songs that was in there 
And so that's something I'm going to be developing in the next couple of weeks here is, is kind of taking a deep dive into that and uh, trying to become a better musician. Well, I'm afraid I have to wrap this sure. up. So okay, I, no problem. I want to thank Baird Brucher for talking with us about his career and the process of creating this podcast about the Book of Kells. Coming up, there will be a part four in which the different characters take turns narrating their stories and we reach the exciting conclusion. And that should end around January 22nd. So right. thank you. Have a great weekend. And I will be hearing from you again. You're welcome. And thank you, Amy. Always a pleasure.